So it's currently available on Amazon uh, Prime. Let me start again. It's not Prime. It's just Amazon. <laughs> Hello, hustlers. Welcome to That Freelance Life Podcast, the show where we discuss the how-tos, the ins and outs, and the highs and lows of creative freelance life in London. I'm Harriet Stockwell. And I'm Brittany Beebe. And we're creative freelancers here to guide you. Please note, we do recommend that you try this at home. Welcome back to That Freelance Life Podcast. Hiya. What's happening, guys? Today is all about who are you and how do you promote that? <laughs> how do you promote that thing? <laughs> how do you get that name out there, girl? Because <laughs> your name means something and it's going to be up in lights one day. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm just thinking about Kevin Apoor from Mean Girls when he's like, damn girl i'd like to see you out there shaking that thing (laughs) (laughs) and that's exactly it how are you gonna get out there and shake your thing guys often as creators we have no idea how to sell ourselves we make all this amazing work and And we sell other people's products exactly but how do you sell yourself and it's quite a tough one but we have the best person today to speak to you about that you know your cv how, How you, you word, word your emails. emails. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> it's almost like we're reading this. <laughs> you know, things like your CV, how you word your emails, how you describe yourself in your LinkedIn profile. Those are all really important points, touch points for people who are looking to potentially hire you. You want to make sure that you really stand out from the crowd. Um, you want to capture people's attention and you want to make them think you're fucking awesome. Because you are fucking awesome. You just need to learn how to... Let people know that. And be less humble about it. And we chatted to the best person for this topic, Stephanie Sword Williams, the founder of Fuck Being Humble, an online platform, event series, and soon to be book. She's educating the world on how to be unapologetically proud of their achievements and change the way we view self promotion. So we've actually attended a few of Fuck Being Humble's events and we've followed Steph, the queen of self-promotion for the last few years on Insta. And she has honestly helped us and so many others in bettering our self-promotion techniques. She's really helping to remove the shame and the stigma around talking about yourself, talking about your talents and really really tooting your own horn at the end of the day. Self-promotion should not be a dirty word. Say it with me, guys. Self-promotion should not be a dirty word. We are beyond delighted to be having her on the show today and to be sharing her tips and knowledge on putting your best self out there. You know, it's not always about degrees or awards, but it can be about what makes you most interesting. She's even related to the tallest man on earth. More about that later on. So let's stop talking about her and let's talk to her instead. Stephanie Sword Williams. Steph, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Thanks for making the time to chat with us. No worries. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, what do you do? Tell us a bit about yourself. Let us know who you are and and what it is that your career entails and yeah, just a bit about yourself. Sure. So I am the founder of Foot Being Humble. Um, it's an online mentoring platform and event series that tries to help people overcome their fear of self-promotion. Uh, essentially, it's my side hustle uh, because during the day, I'm an account director, forward slash business director, um, at an advertising agency. Uh, so for where we work on purpose-led briefs. So I've always kind of had a dream of wanting to change the world with advertising. So hopefully one step closer with that role. Amazing. 
How did you get into helping people with self-promotion? What was it that first sort of kick-started your journey? There's quite a few things that made it happen. But when I first moved to London, I worked for a startup and I was kind of wearing three hats as a new business manager, a producer and an account manager. And I took on the role of new business because I was like, oh, it's easy. I can talk to people. It's fine. I'll just, I'll go get new business. And it absolutely wasn't that easy. And I'm sure anyone who's a freelancer will know that. Uh, But it meant that I attended lots of events three to four times a week. I was going to events, networking, meeting people. And I kind of buzz off that environment, but I know so many people don't. And one of the biggest things that I noticed was there weren't people that looked like me on these stages, on these panels, giving these talks. It was very often people over the age of 40 running their own business, white CEO, men, founders. And I kind of just sat there and I I felt a bit frustrated for two reasons. One was that I felt like I personally had had quite an interesting journey in the industry, but until I created something that people talked about or knew me for, I probably wouldn't ever get invited or unless I became MD of the company I worked for, then maybe I would, but I'd still only be talking about that company. So there was one side of me that felt frustrated because actually I just wanted to share where I'd been and to hopefully help other people. But the other side of me that I was frustrated by was that I was going to a lot of exhibitions and galleries and cool events and Unicode, Tate Lates and all those things. And I was seeing really cool illustrators, writers, photographers, everyone on the rise. And I was thinking, where are these people? Why are they only on Instagram? Why are they creating really cool profiles? But they've not actually made it on the stages to give talks. Um, And particularly when a lot of them, you know, are are more my age, so under under 30. So it was a combination of, of the two. And I, it's not for it to be a sob story, but I, when I first moved to London, I didn't know that many people. So on a weekend, I I just started working and it was probably a bit of loneliness, but also just, I wanted to keep myself busy. And I was so inspired with everything that was going on in London that I thought, well, maybe I could start my own. It was definitely on the rise of side hustles and girl boss and all that stuff. Um, So I just started making some notes and you know, working on weekends and and thinking of how could I help this? How could I put the two together? And I really like the idea of of creating a space that would help people with self-promotion. Ultimately working in advertising, I've learned how to tell stories for both brands and people. Um, So how could I maybe put that creative um, ideation into practice? And so I just started an Instagram account um, with Foot Being Humble and the other thing as well, a lot of friends were asking me to help them with their CV and helping to check their portfolio. And I think it's because I've moved six, five jobs in six years, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in doing that has meant that I've had to, you know, go to lots of interviews and change my uh, folio, my website and all those things. And I think people just knew that that was what I was quite good at. So I, a lot of my friends would ask me and I always thought, well, if my friends are asking me, surely everybody else needs help as well. Um, But yeah, it just started as an Instagram account, mainly because I had an addiction to Instagram. (laughs) We all do. I better channel this more positively. And so I basically just started sharing like tips on your CVs and your portfolios and how to prep for interviews and those sorts of things. And then it just kind of slowly spiraled into something a lot bigger. It's really exciting. Amazing. It's amazing. How it's been long, so cool to see. Yeah. How long has it been going for Southfield Humble? Like, kind of, when did you? A year ago. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, my first event that I did was a year ago, September. 
and we're well just yeah about a year and a half ago so um it, it grew really quickly i i think one of the, the biggest things and i'm really grateful for it was because of the name for being humble obviously it caught quite a lot of attention and um before I'd even started running my events, I got approached by a journalist to do a feature on on the platform. Um, and it turned out that feature was for the Times. So they ran a double page spread in the newspaper and online. Um, and it was probably the, the start of the platform getting noticed. Um, naturally, with it being in the Times, there were some people that didn't necessarily agree with the message. <laughs> um, but then from there, a week later, BBC World News contacted me and was like, we want you to come on the show. And Amazing. I went on TV, live TV, and it was the most terrifying thing in the world. Um, but again, uh, I'm also really grateful because I just remember my LinkedIn was like popping. Um, <laughs> lots of... LinkedIn. Love it. <laughs> uh, I'm the only person that like loves LinkedIn and, and thinks it's the best place in the world. I think Brittany also, she's like I'm a huge lover. LinkedIn. My friend asked me the other day, she's like, do you use LinkedIn? I was like, do you know me? <laughs> what, what do you think I do? Um, so yeah, and so with that meant that the platform generated a lot of attention before it kind of started the events and then... Um, once the event started that's when I really started to grow the community yeah and how did you come up with the name fuck being humble so this is a really um I get a lot of stick for it and I do constantly wonder did I make the right decision but I think I did I I think um there's lots of there's a study that's called the confidence gap um and it shows that uh in interviews women will say they can only do five out of ten things uh but men will say they can do ten out of ten things Um, and there's lots of other studies where women are are too humble, basically. And we know that that's a barrier that slows us down. We know that it, it affects us with imposter syndrome and it affects men as well. Um, but there were, there were a few names I toyed around with. Like I, I, I love R&B and Destiny's Child in particular. So oh, I was going to say my name because, you know, you want people to say your name. But I just, I remember telling people for being humble and them going, yeah, I love it. And some people being like, oh, like you, you may be going to scare a few people. Yeah. And I was kind of like, it's quite, it's my style. I, I can be a, a bit abrasive. <laughs> um, and there's, you know, there's some amazing uh, platforms that, you know, do swear and get away with it and stuff. But for me, and it's one of the biggest messages that I try and push with the platform is, but being humble doesn't have to be this outward facing badge. It is literally a mindset to help you claim your worth. Like that, that is the slogan for me is if I don't really mind if you do or don't like the word or saying for being humble as a saying, but it's more about what it instills yeah. to make you feel com- confident to go do, get what you deserve. And I think that's the biggest thing um, that I get upset about when people judge it by you know judge a book by its cover it's like well actually if you attend an event or if you read the content I'm not by any means telling people that never to be humble I don't you know of course I think you should be humble I think very often we are too humble and we let it overtake what we could achieve yeah absolutely and it's like an empowerment as well yeah definitely and I think that is it it's it's giving you that empowerment it's that the minute you meet someone in a you know networking situation or in an interview or whatever it's it's literally thinking in my head I'm going to fuck being humble and I'm going to tell this person what I do and what I'm good at um but it's definitely not something that you get a megaphone out and you're like look how amazing (laughs) (laughs) um and so how do you actually promote yourself because you know you started fuck being humble and you have all this really great um knowledge of how to help other people self-promote themselves but how do you self-promote yourself 
It's a very good question, actually. Um, I well, there's there's lots of funny things. If you come to my networking event that I run, um, you'll find out that I I got a boyfriend through networking, um, <laughs> and uh, we were actually in uh, London Fields Park for a friend's barbecue, and I was a little bit tipsy, and I gave him my business card because. He said he worked as a product designer in a cool studio and I was working new business, creating films. And I was like, oh, we should totally connect sometime. Quick question. When you say business card. Actual business card. Like a fuck being humble business card. No, this is for a company I used to work with. This is for fuck being humble. But um, I could also use fuck being humble business cards. This is the my previous company, which again, I'm sure they won't have been too keen on me handing out as dirty <laughs> material. I love it. Um, and uh, uh, like four weeks later, he texted me and was like, you know, we should grab a drink. Um, so that is one of the stories I always tell of like, by having a business card yeah. ready uh, in, in a social situation. I uh, bagged myself a boyfriend for two years. Please yes. don't leave me. Um, <laughs> it's so good to know business cards are not dead. No, I love a business me card. Me too. I, like, I think there's something just really nice about having them. Um, there's obviously the environmental argument a bit. Yeah. Um, and the fact that no one really keeps them that well. Uh, but that, that side note, that was more just to say that like, as my attitude personally is that like I always self-promote yeah. like and not in a way that I drown people with it but I'm really proud of the work I do and the projects I work on and naturally it will come up in social situations as well as professional situations um for me digital is huge so like yeah. making sure that all your channels are updated so I think we'll get onto that a bit later yeah. but LinkedIn I spend a lot of time on because it you know I work in new business and just in general you can be connected with the CEO of Patagonia tomorrow, if you really want to be. Yeah. And it's such an overlooked tool. I think particularly in the creative industry, there's some angst towards it because it's not a nice interface, to be honest. They, yeah. need to, they do need to redesign it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's spaces like the Dots, Twitter, all these places. Um, so I try and not try and have too many profiles, but I just try and make sure the ones I have are regularly updated. I have a website um, and... Just, yeah, not not really shying away from talking to people about it. I was carrying home some drinks for my event recently and somebody helped me as I was opening the door. He said, do you want a hand? And I was like, that'd be great. Um, we got talking and he ended up being the senior vice president at Vice. Oh my God, <laughs> no way. Living in my building for like five years and I had no idea. And I was telling him about being humble, like chatting away. And then I was like, and what do you do? And that's what he said. And I was like, oh my God. I remember going to work the next day and like, only you would be networking on your doorstep. Right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. I think um, I think we're, we're, we're always self-promoting in a way. I think when yeah. people say they're not, that it's a big stigma that we have to get over yeah. of the actual phrase self-promotion because everybody has done self-promotion in their, in their life. Yeah. And it's actually just embracing it and not being embarrassed of it. Um, and just being prepared so that when those conversations do happen, yeah. you know what you're saying. Totally. totally. So how would you kind of suggest going about finding your unique selling point to then promote about yourself? Because I know like the USP about who you are is your your biggest selling point. Definitely. And I I think something I've been talking to a lot of people, I've been interviewing people about around this subject and some of the best answers that have come back is is usually it's what you feel uh, you enjoy the most. Yeah. So for me like I love public speaking or I've loved talking since I was little uh, I love storytelling like that's that's who I am and that is a USP for me but if I love it if you love something that much you usually are good at it because yeah. you feel good doing it and 
that ends up being your USP. Um, so I think there's there's an element of whatever you enjoy the most. Um, and similarly, like just talking to other people, like we're so we get so worried about asking other people for help but actually like if you ask your mum what your usp is if you ask your boyfriend your best friends blah 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 they're probably going to be able to tell you lots of different answers and i know from friends who have gone from tricky times at work and they have really low confidence um that they can't see it themselves you know when you're not in a good place it's really hard to identify what you think you're good at go ask people previous people you've worked with clients you've worked with managers as well as friends, family, and get this really rounded opinion of yourself and, and help to formulate that. You obviously have things like appraisals and feedback and testimonials that you can ask people for, um, which are, are really important to do and reflect on. But just don't be afraid to go out and ask other people to support you with that, because I think it can be hard. You know, yeah. we're not taught how to self-reflect in that way. Um, but also, you know, just make note of when people are complimenting you and, you know, have a little notes bit in your phone that says like, oh, this was the feedback I got. Or someone really liked this feature that I, I presented in a meeting. Like, what does that say about me? And, yeah. who, you know, who am I as a person if I'm putting that forward? And sometimes a lot of it um, is once you've recognised something, you need to then go, so why has that happened? So someone said they really liked what I presented. Why is that? What have I what have I like maybe stumbled upon that they haven't seen before and start breaking and what does that say about me and why have I chosen to work on that you know like the it's like the five wise thing just questioning that and just giving your time to have the headspace for that because I think it's so easy to feel like we just don't have the time for it but when you do prioritize it it makes such a difference to the way you promote yourself totally I couldn't agree more um confidence wise I think Confidence really trips people up as, you know, if you're at a networking event and there's someone that you want to go and talk to and you feel really apprehensive about it. I mean, are there any techniques or tips that you could share with people about feeling more confident and putting themselves out there? Yeah. So one of the biggest things for me, and it's, and I use it for myself, is, is preparing. It's like always preparing. I, I do have a line which is blag now, worry later. Yeah. That's more once you're prepared anyway. Um, but for me, if I'm going to a networking event, I will always research who's speaking. I'll research what's going on in the news in that topic. I will have my own opinions on what's being spoken about so that when I get there, I can, you know, speak to that speaker I've always wanted to speak to or talk to. Um, and it's so easy. Like I've done it. I've been late to events. I've got my phone out very slyly, Google news, the person that is speaking and been like, Oh, they've just released a book and then gone up to them at the end and been like, Oh my God, how's your book going? You know, like you don't have to be like hours and hours and hours of prep, but you do the more time you spend before going into those situations, the better you will then come across and feel about going over to them. So I think preparation ahead of it. I also think like, Again, it's this like paralysis of fear and like I, I coined the phrase FOS, the fear of sounding stupid. But what we actually run into is is fobge, which doesn't sound as good, but fobge <laughs> is the fear of being generic. And that, that's what we have to worry about is if we are so hung up of, of sounding stupid or saying the wrong thing to something, you're either going to sound boring and, and not come across as the personality that you have yeah. or you're going to never speak to that person again. And I just think, you know, particularly in London, but in general, there are so many other people in the world. Like you have one bad thing. Like, I don't think anybody's going to say I met one person that ruined my career. There's ve- like yeah. there's very few stories of that. Like yeah. you met, meet one person, you say the wrong thing. It either turns into a funny anecdote the next time you go out with your friends 
or the next time you see them you know you completely breeze over it and you you kind of propose something else and I just think it's 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 there's a Caroline Forhan wrote a really great book um that's probably one of my recommendations of um she's called the confidence kit and I always share it at events and she talks about the difference between competence confidence and self-confidence and she says that we are very often too hung up on being competent in something before we're confident in it. Yeah. Whereas if we have self-confidence, that's just the belief we can do something, even if we don't have the skills. So say you've never been to a networking event, um, there is somebody that's going to go, I'm not speaking to anyone, I can't speak to people. And there's someone that's going to go, I can speak to people, I don't know this person, but I can I can talk to people, yeah. I'm sure I can do it. And it's the, the latter that end up succeeding and going far because they have that self-confidence. So there's definitely a big thing in shifting culture around not needing to be perfect at something before you go and have a go at it definitely. and like for being humble is definitely one of those things you know I'm not a qualified life coach and I am not um you know you know I've never actually been trained in public speaking I, I haven't been trained in a lot of the stuff that I've done I designed my own brand I'm not a designer like you know there's a lot of things that actually I just did and it's worked out and it, it doesn't always have to be polished I yeah. think that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I'd give is yeah. like don't worry about being perfect before you just put yourself out there. And that goes back to your confidence gap you mentioned earlier. It's like so, so true with women. It's like you say, we just want it to be perfect before we can absolutely say, yes, we can do it. And it's trying to put that aside. And with women as well, there's something called the mama bear effect where we are much better at promoting other people, yeah, other females, other women. And that's like our maternal thing of like, oh, Sharon did a great job today. They look, look how great her stuff is. Like, we, we are better at doing that than we are ourselves. So, yeah, I, I kind of just think we need to take a dose of whatever the men are doing. Yeah. Uh, and props yeah. to them. Like, you know, it's no man shaming. It's like they get their further, quicker, higher promotions and higher levels. So yeah. clearly we need to step up a bit. Totally. Yeah. You know, I saw a meme the other day that was like, I just want to wake up every morning with the confidence of a mediocre white man. Yeah, <laughs> so great. So great. <laughs> Um, what would you say could, would be sort of the best way when you to be noticed by someone you're trying to reach out to? Um, so this is a really timely question and I'm really glad that uh, it's come up on today's podcast. So I mentioned my boyfriend earlier, he is a product designer and one of the things that he struggles with is, is always wanting to stand out and, and do something different. And he's been wanting to change jobs and one of the things that... Um, we talked about was well how could you cut through and you know he wanted to apply for studios in Europe and the States and all these different places and we kind of had like a brainstorming session where we like right well what could could you design a new product for them could you do this and you know there's cost and there's time and there's all of that and he ended up just designing a booklet a physical printed beautiful booklet um it was his portfolio but in print um and you know his work is is incredible anyway but you know for each project he explained what he did and and I think that's another myth of people saying pictures will speak for itself like no it won't like no no especially in the creative industry what did you do what was your part in it and I think it's just like why undersell yourself like that like of course it could speak for itself but imagine what that copy could do to elevate it so obviously you know so Tom designed this beautiful um document uh, sent it out and on the same day a dream company came back to him and said we'd love to give you an interview wow. and they since got like three or four different interviews and it's through to you know three third or four stages and I genuinely do believe it is because he cut through by giving something physical and yeah. hand delivering it to, to those places you know not Europe but the ones in the UK 
Um, so there's there's that, but then there's also things like you know. So that I think there's there's the smaller things like that, but then there's also just things like literally calling up calling up the company and finding out who the person is you need to speak to and asking for the right details and finding out you know um when they are looking to recruit things it's like we just send an email and we expect things are going to fall into place and it, it's just not how it works like that we we should always be thinking about how we could go above and beyond yeah and it doesn't have to cost you loads it doesn't i heard recently a really nice example um where someone created a bespoke instagram post for a job application and sent oh, it through cool. when they interviewed it you know like there's That's things cool. like that where it's like how could we use the tools available to be just pushing a bit further and and if nothing else it's just having like your portfolio nicely done it's having your about me done it's having two to three solid projects um it's having all your you know social media profiles up to date and all those things like if i'm reading stormzy's uh, murky movement book at the minute and oh, cool. um he always says, and it's a really like important thing, is like, just get the basics right and then the rest, you know, should sell itself. But if you just make sure you get the basic stuff right, then people will respect you for that. And then think anything else you do above and beyond is like even better. Yeah, 100%. I once had a, a photographer stand outside our agency wearing a SpongeBob SquarePants outfit to try to get noticed. And we, got, we gave him a job, actually, like three other jobs after that. But it was just that little bit of effort that he made to try and be like, hello, here's my portfolio and I really want to be noticed. I love it. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit cheesy like that. And I, I, I think you have to be careful with the execution because yeah. I think that's when it can go a Wrong. bit gillette. <laughs> um, but I saw an incredible one, um, which I highly recommend anybody going to watch. It's, it's um, Can I Write for Sprite? It's like a music video this guy made to work for Wyden and Kennedy's in New York. Amazing. And he, he, I'm, he was like, he did a full on like film production thing where he's like, there are about six different scenes in it. Um, the, the equipment he must have used for it was amazing. And he's a copywriter and one of their biggest clients was Sprite. So he did a whole rap to a hip hop beat. That's incredible. All saying like, and the, the, the lyric is, can I write for Sprite? And then he like pulls Sprite on himself. It's like really funny. It's very American, very cheesy. Okay, yeah. Um, so for us Brits, we might struggle with it, but um, there's just something again. It's like, how could you not give that person something? It, not even like a meeting, you know. Um, so yeah, I think, and also just like going places. Like one of the things that um I always laugh about is I went on holiday to New York, and I really want to work in New York. It's always been a dream. And I just, I mean, it's not a successful story, but I just like walked into all the offices in New York that I wanted to work in, and was like hi I need to have a meeting with the managing director <laughs> of course I didn't I didn't get past security but <laughs> there are there are like funny stories that came from it and also just that whole thing of like you know it's it was a funny failure like yeah. it didn't it didn't happen but at least I had the audacity to go in and just start yeah. like demanding interviews um I mean in hindsight I probably would have done a bit more preparation on that one but um yeah, I just think like we we just kind of bow down quite quickly and just assume the worst when we don't get a response straight away. And actually, there's so much we could be doing regularly to cut through um, if you just give yourself the time to think about it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And what do you have to lose, really? Exactly. exactly, exactly. I think it's not being afraid of that failure, right? It's it's like, what's the worst that could happen? You get stopped by security and they're like, no, ma'am. <laughs> Which was me, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So when we actually reach out to people that we'd love to work with, do you have any tips that we could use to kind of, or like points that we could cover to really get your point across to the people that you're wanting to work with or for? Yeah, definitely. I think when, when people approach, there's a few things that um, I like, I, I struggle with when people approach me about want to work with each other is very often it's like, I want to work with foot being humble and then there's no body coffee oh. <laughs> or, or there's like, hi, I love what you're doing. Would love to collaborate. And I'm like, on what though? Yeah. You know, like, I know it sounds really basic, but just be really clear on like who you are, what you can offer and what you can offer them. Like why yes. should they take the time to even carry on reading the rest of the email and make sure you get to that point within the first line. Like, hi, I'm X. I'm a writer. I do this. I'd love to help you on this. Like, just be very clear because that's going to be the deciding factor on whether they carry on reading any further. So I think there's that. I think making sure that you qualify yourself yeah. um, digitally because it's the first thing they're going to do is stalk you online. It's the first thing I do when anybody contacts me. Uh, it's just to make sure that there's, this person's legit. Really. Yeah. So make sure that everything that you say you are in this email is represented online. And then also it's, and obviously with a brand like Foot Being Humble, I probably would say this, but just avoid being too polite. I think we speak very like, I'd be so grateful if you could consider any, any bit of tiny time for me. And it's like, just talk to them like a normal person. Yeah. Like you would your friend, because the minute you speak to them on that level, you set yourself back. Definitely. And it kind of makes you look more genius there, more, it makes you just come across as someone who is is desperate in a way and i'm not saying obviously just you know there's some people that are too forward and you're like hold on a minute you know i've never even met you but there is a fine balance between being like overly polite where you're like oh gosh you know but please i'll do anything to work with you and i just i think tonally you just have to be careful with how you ask for what you're asking for um because it can wreak desperation sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess also then it's like you um, are confident within yourself if you do kind of stand your ground and say, this is who I am. You yeah, know? definitely. And you want to, the people you usually reach out to, if they're more senior than you, then you want to be speaking to them on that level. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be speaking to them like you're an intern. Yeah, exactly. No, totally. Um, so that I, this is actually really interesting, talking about emails and e- tips for emails. I've gotten so many compliments on the fact that I have a little, like a banner at the bottom of my emails and I've got like a signature and it's just, I, I uploaded it into Gmail. It's like my personal brand and I have my, a link to my portfolio and I've got my contact details in it, like my phone number. And I've gotten so many great responses on it. Everyone's just like, oh my God, love your signature, love your signature. And I think it's just such a great thing to put in emails. People don't think about them. Mm. You can have a, your own signature, even if you're not, because we'll get those ones from companies when we're working for them. Definitely. And, I, and, yeah. I, and like, I, it's, I think as someone who works in advertising, you, you are always looking for where you can promote. Yeah. And that is just an obvious place to promote because any email that leaves your inbox or leaves your, you know, your Gmail or whatever it is, it will have your details on it and it'll make sure that that's very clear. So 100%, I, one of the best things I saw, um, Ace and Tate had done a, a report on mindfulness and theirs was just like, we've just written this report on mindfulness. If you're looking for some, you know, headspace, check it out and just hyperlinked it. And it wasn't, you know, too showy. It wasn't too shouty. It just did the job. And I clicked on it straight away. And I also think it's a really good idea for if you have an out of office on to update that with your details as well. So I'm yes. currently away on holiday at the minute, but 
if you want to check out any of my work, you can go to my portfolio and drop me a note and I'll re- reply. So just always think about what are those points of contact? How are you contacting other people and could you be using that space to promote yourself? Absolutely. No, I think that's such a great point. Um, what about CVs? So we all attach the CV to all the emails that we send out. What sort of pointers do you have? So I kind of, I don't want to give too many pearls away because no, these, these are what not. I talk about at my event. Yeah. But um, I think like CV opening profiles are like the most important thing. It is for me personally, a bit of a deal breaker. Like if you don't grip me within that profile, I probably won't read the rest of it. Um, so it's really just thinking about, you know, what is your 30 second elevator pitch? What's the thing you're going to get across in that first paragraph? And like, I include that, um, I'm related to the tallest man in the world, um, for no reason other than they'll remember me for it. And it says nothing about my skills, but every time I go for an interview, they're like, so who's the tallest man in the world? Tell me, tell me more about this. (laughs) That's so great. Um, and so that, and along with other things of, you know, living abroad when I was younger and being, you know, a self-confessed lover of public speaker and stuff. And just the way that I articulate what I care about, it's not, I'm really enthusiastic about, Mm. and I'm really passionate about the creative industry. It's like, so is everyone else in the world. So really thinking about what you bring to the table that makes a difference. I think, Another thing, and and I got taught this with working with recruiters, is um, just making sure your skills and hobbies actually reflect your best things. So again, like the fact that I was a public speaker, I didn't really include at that point. There was uh, whatever, I can't remember why, but when I spoke to a recruiter and they were getting me prepared for uh, sending the CVs out, they were like, there's loads of amazing stuff and it's not in your hobby, isn't it? And it's like, oh, but is that relevant? And they're like, of course it is. And mm-hmm. I read an article recently where someone said, like, if you're really into films from the 50s, that would really impress me because it shows me that you've got, you know, a, an interesting perspective on on film history. And, you know, so don't shy away from including things that you might think are a bit odd, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's a fine line, but I think there's definitely just... If, if you're remembered for, you know, being that lover of the films from the 50s or um, from someone who got a specific, you know, award from something they've done, like, just make sure it's on there. People, again, it's this humble thing. It's like, oh, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. It's like, well, that's what CV's there for. Yeah. Um, and if you don't make the most of it, then you kind of, there's no point, you're just wasting time. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I think the, uh, how you explain your experience is really important. So... We very often just do one line descriptions and we're like, you know, project manage this or wrote an article for this. But it's like, why? What was yeah. the brief? What was the result? You know, it's okay. it's good to put results. You know, if, if you triple the, the business worth from doing something, then you put that in. If, if you were able to offer a new proposition for the company because of the work you've done, put that in. You know, there's yeah. lots of little things that... Again, it's that why game of like, why did that happen? What what was good about it? Why why would these people care about it? And just don't don't worry about putting those like positive results on the CV. Like I would integrate them within the experience, so it's not like a section on how great you are, but you know, just make sure that they go, oh, that person, they were the one that came up with that new idea, and that's you know, mm. really grew the business. Like that's what people want to read about. But when it's really factual, it's it's. It's quite hard to read. And for me, it's frustrating because I know that when I've got friends who do it, I'm like, but you're so amazing in person and and you're just not putting yourself on paper well. Um, and it's definitely something that I would like to support more people with because it is a hard thing to do. And if no one's ever taught you, you just don't know. Yeah. So 
Um, but there's lots of great tips online and stuff. So just yeah. research online, like best CV advice. And it's your Let Me Blow Your Mind event where you discuss this more in detail, yeah, so right? Yeah, there's three events that I run. So there's Let Me Blow Your Mind, which talk how you talk about yourself, how you promote yourself online, how you best use platforms. The second one is Ain't No Shame, um, which is coming up in February. And that is all about networking, both physically and digitally, and how you build long-lasting relationships. And the third one is Bitch Better Have More Money, which is how you ask for more money yeah. and to get yes. yourself worth. So yeah, they're the three different stages. Um, but and in all of those, that's kind of just they're the key areas. I think that are the soft skills that we don't necessarily get taught about that we we need more guidance. One hundred percent couldn't agree more. Um, what do you think then with? if you have all these skills what people actually just get wrong sometimes when they don't get the response that they're looking for i think the biggest uh setback is is giving up so i applied uh to work at the job that i previously worked at uh i sent my cv to the md they were looking for roles he was like you know stuff looks great um we'll be in touch and it was you know quite that was that and and then I just didn't hear back from it it was a dream company and I was like oh I've always wanted to work there that's that and I ended up taking the job at the startup which in hindsight I'm so happy I did because it was such a great experience for me um but then when that time was running out at that company I was like well I'm just gonna get back in touch with them like he didn't he didn't say no I don't know what maybe that job got taken down maybe I, I wasn't right for it maybe they you know hired two different people instead but it wasn't a sorry you're you're just not right for us um and I contacted him after I'd been at the startup and I said look since I last dropped you a note I have done this 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 and this he was like coming for a meeting tomorrow and they offered me a job and they weren't looking for anyone wow. um, Amazing. and having that I suppose maybe tenacity to go back and to to be like well it's not a setback like it's fine like we get ignored all the time and and I feel bad and I always tell people to chase me up when I've not and I'm pretty sure you guys chased me to make sure we got this locked in but people just have busy lives and it, it isn't about you like not everything is about yeah. you um unless you've had the specific feedback of like you've been unsuccessful but again always ask why what could I have done more what, what else were you looking for but otherwise, like, it's time and place. Like, things change so quickly. And I know from now being on the hiring side, we've been in positions where we were growing, we needed people, and then a week later, a job falls through and you don't. And, yeah. you know, that's not yeah. anyone else's fault. And, you know, there's people I've wanted to hire and been so close to, and then we've had to not do it because of the business or whatever was changing. And I feel really bad because I'm like, it's not, it really isn't you, it's us. Um, so just don't let a, a no be a permanent no. Like always either investigate further straight away or just give yourself time and set a reminder to get back in contact with them, particularly when you're freelance. Like yeah. making sure that you regularly, you know, update people with your updated work and your when you've released new things, like just make sure that you're constantly in conversation with people because I think the worst thing you can do is, just go right. Well, I'm I'm never gonna go back to them. Or they, yeah. they clearly didn't yeah. want me. It's like exactly. It's, it's no and point. not right now. It's not the same. No, as point. no. Yeah, it's, you, it's a wasted opportunity. Otherwise, and I think if they've if they've ever looked at your work once, then they'll look at it again. I had a resource manager that gave me a really good tip once, and she said, "There's not you, you can never email me too many times." She was like, "Just email me every single week, even if I don't reply to you. It's just I'm really really busy, and mm. I will get back to you when something comes available." And it's worked. 
Yeah, and I, I also, I have a bit of a, I think one of my previous bosses told me this. Um, it was like the three email challenge, basically, which is um, you email once asking for what you're looking for. You email again with a follow up and then you email final, like third and finally and you say, I just wanted to follow up one last time. You know, if this isn't of interest to you, um, I'm probably going to look elsewhere or go elsewhere with this idea or, or with me. Um uh, you know, and I'll contact you in six months and we'll, you know, we'll keep pick up the conversation then. And I've done it for new business and I kid you not, they email back within 10 minutes because wow. they think they've lost they've the lost opportunity you. and they're about to lose you. I haven't done it personally as in like applying for a job and being like, you're about to lose me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but with, with business and services I have and, and it has worked really well and, and then they, they come back because they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, and then... The funny thing is I say this at my events and then people do it to me and I'm like, sneaky. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm getting the three three email challenge done to me. Uh, but, it, you know, I think putting... Otherwise, you know, you could go a bit stir-crazy and you could be emailing every week. So I think there's, there's a fine line between just, you know, being... Having a kind of relentless attitude and making sure that you continuously contact them, but also just knowing where to restore your energy and, and maybe they're that right now they're not the right time but give them three to six months and, and they might be awesome yeah. what about when you get a hard no and you know someone's like you just don't really fit the bill here it's just a no from us how do you deal with that kind of rejection <laughs> it's killer like you'd have to be like you know an alien not to feel some level of emotion i think it goes back to my earlier point of getting the feedback on why and i think naturally you start to figure that out as well like I know from my own experience, like I've worked in big, large ad agencies and I've worked at independence and I've worked at a startup and I don't really like the big ad land. That's not for me. And that's not because I've been rejected from it, but that's just because like that, that world isn't what I enjoy. I, I, I don't know. I like, like supporting the underdogs or the independents and stuff. And sometimes when you get a no, it's, it's because maybe your morals aren't aligned. It's because you don't necessarily have the skill set. I think when you get a hard no, you do need to investigate whether that's personally or you're asking them for feedback, what it was that that you lost out on for whatever reason. And you either try and upskill and improve in that space um, and then try and, you know, reapproach them. Or you go, well, that yeah, that makes sense. And that's because actually I'm more aligned in this direction. And, and that's why I didn't get that. Uh, there's a great TED talk that I always tell people about. I probably need to watch some new TED talks. And I think I tell them. <laughs> but um, 100 Days of Rejection is oh, yes. a really great TED talk. And he basically sets him ta- himself 100 tasks to get rejected. And it's about getting over the fear of rejection. And it's actually, he's got rejection therapy now that he offers, oh, yeah. um, which is great. And, you know, he'll, he'll walk into like a burger place and be like, um, I want this burger and then they'll be like oh that's $20 well $10 maybe 20 is expensive <laughs> and um, and he's like am I alright just to not pay that and they're like no and he's like cool just wait to check and it's just like sometimes he'll keep asking them why he's like why not and they're like because we're a company and you have to pay and sometimes it's it works both ways it's good experience for him to get rejected but then it's on the flip side it makes the other person go oh actually why don't we do that or, yeah so, but again, it's just a really motivational talk on, you know, just caring less about being rejected and finding ways to positively then look at things and, you know, learn from those things. Yeah. It's hard. I think I think one thing that I 
you know, I, I suppose I've not been rejected, say, from a job per se, but I've been rejected asking for a pay rise or, you know, yeah. maybe a promotion and stuff. Um, and I, when people say, tell you just to snap out of it, it's like the worst advice. It's yeah. like when people tell you to calm down and you're really stressed. I think just set yourself a time to be upset, you know, like, you know, give yourself a week and, you know, feel gutted about it. That's fine. Like, we're, you're not human if you don't. Mm. But then also set yourself a deadline to be like, now I need to move on from this and and, and make a change because you'll only start irritating everyone around you. And I know from experience and um, from doing it myself. And I think it's fine to be sad and a bit gutted, but you have to then transition into what am I going to do to solve it or what am I going to do to change whatever's happened um but yeah it's it's part of life it's part of life and I think it, where possible I always try and encourage people to find a funny side of it yeah. um the more you can laugh at it like the more you can like release it and let it go I think when we bottle up rejections or failures we don't ever really get to fully address them and I mean I constantly take the piss out of myself and the things that I do because otherwise I could just live in this you know fear of not adding up to enough or not not getting everything I want it's like actually if I just laugh about it then you're more human to connect with anyway 100% silver lining sometimes totally so always find a silver lining and then I guess you know with with the with the same feelings of rejection you also have you know these down feelings of having an imposter syndrome and I guess like how how would you kind of deal with imposter syndrome I mean something that you do is probably put yourself in uncomfortable positions all the time and to kind of have that self-belief in yourself, you know, how do you... Yeah, like, I have a ridiculous amount of self-belief, but I 100% struggle with imposter syndrome. Like, uh, I think people who say they don't, I'm, like, in awe of, because there are so many points where you struggle with it. And someone said that the thing that I think the rings true to me personally is the way that you should look at imposter syndrome is not about yourself and whether you're good enough. It's about what could happen if it works. So if I really wanted to go do a TED talk, which I do, um, you know, I could have a huge imposter syndrome. Like I, I don't, I'm not a TED speaker. You know, I've never had that training. I don't know how to do that. But imagine if somebody listened to my talk and then quit their job and had a happier life from it. And I, I feel that about my own events. Not that they're on a TED talk scale, but if I can help just one person in the room, then then it's worth it, right? Because then at least somebody's been affected by it. And I think so often imposter syndrome is about your own issues and it's about how other people perceive you, how you think other people perceive you. And actually to flip the narrative, you could focus on how other people could perceive you once you've done this this thing you're scared of. I've heard loads of great pieces of advice around imposter syndrome, you know, like make loads of notes about what you have achieved so that you can go straight back to that whenever you're feeling in moments of low. Uh, be aware that you know everyone goes through it like everyone has been through it there's you know whether it's asking for more money you know I'm sure your boss has asked for more money and didn't get it at some point like I'm sure people have asked for promotions and didn't get them like people have felt like the odd person out in the room everybody in the room has probably felt that feeling so you can either let it be the hindrance or you can be like I'm not alone in this um but I also think as a piece of personal advice that I'd give is is just to make people aware of of those insecurities so you know, like if I felt nervous about talking in meetings, I'd probably tell my boss about it and just say, like, just so you know, sometimes I feel nervous talking in meetings because I feel like um, I'm, you know, I'm maybe inexperienced in comparison. 
And either they'll know to be able to support you, a good manager should support you and either help you with that, or they'll be there to like give you ways to chip in, in in different ways or, you know, tell you different ways that you could use your voice. So I think we bottle up and, it, you know, it's the same goes for mental health issues and all these things. We bottle these things up rather than just letting people know what we're going through and, and helping them. Because I, I, I personally believe that if someone came to me and said that they struggled in those areas, I'd do everything I could to make them feel like they could achieve in those areas or be supported so um just don't be a martyr with it yeah like just let people know that that, that's maybe where you you do feel like an imposter and see how they might be able to help i think that's a great point because often again just being open to speaking about it and sharing how you feel because again with the confidence with everything we talk about it's just everyone's not being taught how to really speak about it totally that's really good yeah absolutely um, on a slightly lighter note now, um, which platforms do you think are best for self-promotion? I don't think there are best platforms for self-promotion. I think there are best platforms for you. Yeah. So I would say having an up-to-date LinkedIn account is really important because any companies you want to work for, they're going to be on LinkedIn, like 100%. So you don't have to be posting and sharing and doing lots of things. But just making sure that's up to date is just like first and foremost, because that's usually the first thing that comes up on a search and it should be up to date. If not LinkedIn, like the dots, because obviously that's the, the similar sort of thing for the creative industry. Um, and then it really depends on how you manage things and how you enjoy using the, like platforms. So as I mentioned earlier, I turned to Instagram for being humble because I spend so much time on it. If I'd have tried to do it on Twitter, I wouldn't have done as well because I don't feel confident on Twitter. Like... I feel really awkward tweeting on Twitter, mainly because there's so much like, you know, trolls that could yeah, like, true. Yeah. but you know, so much backlash on there, but I just don't spend regular time on there. I do share like some stuff and some events because there's obviously some reach, but um, share the stuff. Someone asked me, do I need to be on Instagram if I'm a writer? And I was like, no, like maybe Twitter feels more natural because you're a writer. Maybe having a WordPress feels more natural or just a website. Like you actually don't have to be on any social media. Like, you know, professional companies do check online. We we know that that's a fact. But if you have a great website, first and foremost, you don't have to be on any social media sharing your work. You should have something though. And that's one thing I always say. So whether it is a dots profile or a website or a blog or, a, you know, your Twitter, just something that you can say, hi, I'm X. If you want to check some of my recent work, here it is. My biggest bugbear is people saying my website's under construction mm. or my portfolio is not ready mm. because I'm just, and if it really is, you know, it's been a week and I'm genuinely working on it, that's fine. But I've had friends doing it for like six months and I'm like, it just, it doesn't make me feel like you're very professional with things. Mm. It's like, it's just not a good enough yeah. excuse anymore. If you can update your Instagram, you can update a website. Um so I think, you know, there's different things to different people. If you're a photographer, it makes sense to be on Instagram. You know, like it's totally up to you. I'm more of a visual person, so that's where I enjoy being. But I just just don't fall into the pressures of you need to be on this channel because that's what's big right now. Because ultimately it's a, just a link to somewhere. So anybody can click on a link to a blog or uh, to Twitter or wherever it is. Um, but just also don't spread yourself too thin. I think that's... I feel like I do that probably too much. I probably, you know, eating my own words here, but I don't try, I don't constantly put stuff on the foot being humble LinkedIn account because I just can't keep up with my own LinkedIn and Instagram and all of that. So 
I'll do the odd update so it looks like, you know, and followers do follow and stuff, but I just, I try not, like, like I say with Twitter, I'm not, I can't manage four simultaneous profiles plus my own profiles, you know, like, it's just not realistic. And I remember when I first started out, I said that I was going to post on Instagram three times a week and I was going to write a blog a month and that literally went out the window within two days because it's just not, you know, life gets ahead of you. And, and at the end of the day, I think you're... It's really important to get it out there, but nobody's waiting for it in that yeah. way. So, like, remember not to put your pressure pressure under yourself. Like, I haven't done a post this week. It's like no one, no one's gonna die. Yeah, like, just we're not saving lives. Like, we're not doctors. Um, if you're in the creative industry, if you are a doctor, then you know, save some lives. But um, <laughs> yeah, I just I think we fall under the social pressures way too much. And and I I am you know my own worst enemy. I do it too, but. I've definitely started to learn to pull back a bit more and like it's Christmas I'm not going to post anything and, yeah. Yeah. and ultimately everybody else didn't, doesn't want you posting things anyway because they don't want to be felt guilt tripped or anything like yeah. that yeah that's so true and this is literally something I have dealt with this week like exactly that of feeling this pressure to be like I have to put something out there and like new year and new start and work and um, I was literally having a conversation with my little brother who's getting into the creative industry and he also had this issue so I do feel like this is just something so prevalent and, and so good to hear that you don't have to no one's going to die if no definitely you know? not I think it's it, it's so often yourself who puts pressure on you 100%. so there's the social you know oh, I must post new year new me post but then nobody's actually breathing down your neck like it's you <laughs> it is you so I kind of feel like you're in control of of how much pressure you put under yourself yeah what is the best thing that has happened to you from self-promoting yourself success stories uh i mean uh this year obviously i, I got a book deal um for Foot being humble which yes. is really exciting yes. um and i actually got approached to do the book when i got the article written about me in the times last year wow. so they basically saw the name they were like loved it you should write a book. And I remember this agent ringing me up and I was like, absolutely no way. I'm not a writer. That's not me. Like, cool, but no thanks. And then I started running the events and it started, you know, you know, going really well and people were really enthusiastic about it. And then I was like, fine, maybe I'll contact this woman again. And I got contacted by a publisher and a few publishers and an agent. And for anyone thinking about it, definitely get an agent because you don't know how to negotiate things around books unless you work in that industry you have no idea what you're doing and she really helped kind of coach me and get it to a great place so thanks to Kate Evans um but that was obviously a huge success um and something I never ever in a million years dreamt that would happen uh I'm still kind of dreaming about it it comes out in May 2020 which is this year exciting um but also I'm imposter syndrome about that and absolutely petrified of people reading my work and it's all like I'm absolutely yeah so scared about that um but that was an amazing amazing uh opportunity that I got this year and then I also spoke at Cannes Lions Festival this year um which you know I've kind of idolized for years and it was a really random but again this all comes down to networking I spoke on a panel and in fact, there's two, there's so many layers of networking. When I first started my platform, I went to an event and there was a technical glitch. Everyone knows this story because I always tell it, but there was a technical glitch and they said, does anybody have any movements they want to stand up and share? And I stood up and shared Foot Being Humble. It was like two weeks old. I posted three things and I was like, I'm looking for new followers. I'm looking for an event space. And in that room, I got like a hundred new followers. So many people were like really like responsive towards it. 
and sat behind me was this lovely, lovely woman. And she was like, oh my God, I love the idea of your platform. It's great. I was like, oh, what about you? And she's running a, a female-led platform. And I was like, what's your full-time role? And she's like, oh, I work at Cannes Lions Festival. And I was like, no way. And I was oh. like, oh, we should stay in contact sort of thing. And then we just kind of like regularly supported each other. You know, I'd invite her to my events. She'd invite me to hers. And um, and then she ran her own, she hosted her own event. And, and she asked me to speak on the panel. And I was one of six women on the panel. It was a real killer panel. And I spoke, to the person uh, moderating it was, uh, worked at Twitter and was quite senior there. And obviously, because uh, the lady who hosts the event is works at Can Lions, she introduced me to her colleagues. I got talking to them and I was like, oh, I actually applied. So here's another failing. I applied to go on to do a Can Lions um, talk. But so many people like me doing talks. And I was just like, you know, Obviously, I think I missed the boat this year, but I'm, you know, I really hope I could do a talk next year. And they were like, "Oh, well, it sounds great what you're doing." And I did the the uh, the panel, and it went really well. Got great feedback. And then about three months later, the guy that she'd introduced me to was like, "We've got a spare spot, and we'd love you to run a workshop." And I was like, "Uh, sure." sure. And coincidentally, I was actually going with the company that I worked with at the time, so I'd already got like travel and accommodation yeah, sorted so through them, which was great. Um, so yeah, so, and, and so I ended up doing, um, a workshop in 34 degrees heat. It was awful. It was like on the oh roof, on the, like the sun terrace, um, with an amazing workshop host called Emily Hinks. Um, she runs Mischief Makers, uh, and they're a really great platform to follow. Um, and yeah, and that was quite surreal because, you know, something that so many people, um, want to speak at and, you know, we only had a small stage and it was like a small little section, but it was definitely a, a big, big moment. Um, and then, yeah, just like, it's, it feels weird. I've, I've spoken for Google and Unilever and yeah. British Red Cross and Bumble and big, big brands in this past year. And I, you know, as I finished uh, my book recently uh, in the last chapter, the majority of the book I've talked about how everybody else does it. And then I kind of summarise the final chapter with reflecting on what I've done with, with Foot Being Humble. And it's 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 kind of weird because I probably haven't done that today yeah. um, as much as, as I would like to. You kind of have the pinch me moments like, did that just happen? But you kind of just keep, you're so busy, you just keep going. And then it was only when I started like writing all this down, I was like, shit, this just happened in a year um, through literally making an Instagram account. And, and everything, you know, I didn't put any paid spend behind the content I pushed out. Everything was promoted on Eventbrite. You know, like I did what everybody else is trying to do. But I think maybe it hit a zeitgeist and it's something that people are interested in. But everything has just come from, you know, networking, building those connections, constantly putting myself out there, not worrying, telling random people walking into the building what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, like I think like... I want to be living proof of what I'm saying works and it isn't, you know, it's not as hard as it has to be. And most importantly, I want to be telling people who are, you know, 18 and younger so that they start their journey this way. Cause it, you know, it, it kills me when I, I speak to, I do workshops and a 50 year old woman comes up to me. She's like, I needed to hear that. You know, I've, I've probably held myself down for the past 10, 20 years. Like that's where I'm like, Oh God, if we could flip the narrative sooner, and we could get people more comfortable with self-promotion at a younger age, particularly people from disadvantaged backgrounds or, you know, women and just just making people understand the importance of it. 
then that would just be a bit of a, a dream come true. So I, I think there's there's been so many milestones. I think one of the other ones for me is um, just the incredible people I've met along the way. Yeah. And I'm so proud of the people that I've had on my panels and that I've interviewed and that have featured in my book. And it's like, again, I probably wouldn't have met these people had I not have started the platform. So I pro- like in the space of a year, I think I've probably accelerated my career quicker than I would have ever done just working in a full-time job. So I don't know. I think if you've got an idea, then just go for it. Yeah, amazing. We often say to each other, it's about being in the ring rather than standing outside and just wanting to be in it. Definitely. And I think on that note is um, people are always like, I need to find a way to stand out. Mm. And that is a really good point. But like, don't let that be the reason you're not in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's everybody sit on the sidelines waiting, you know, before they found that special secret source. And it's like, you're just wasting time. You don't have to have everything, you know, crossed and you know knowing everything to be able to stand out like sometimes you just have to get yourself in you know in that movement and then the rest will come 100 percent. and you've spoken about a few recommendations um can you any other books or ted talks or tools um that you can recommend that really help yes there's a great book called creative confidence and um the it's the founder of ideo um it's a really cool uh, like product led company uh, him and his brother wrote it and it's a really interesting different stories about how you build creative confidence um so i would highly recommend that as a book um for networking and like new business and stuff there's a great book called never eat alone and and it's sort of saying why no no conversation or no email should ever be a cold one it, sh- it should always be warm and there's ways that you can do that um the Art of People by Dave Kepperman is a great book. I really enjoyed that. And he talked about how him and his wife got their whole wedding sponsored um, through contact. That's what you need. And <laughs> literally, and, and they, they ended up having it in a baseball um, stadium and they got their flowers sponsored. They got their drinks from Bacardi. They got all of this. They got a wedding. And because of that, they generated buzz online for all of these people that supported them. And so that, and, and that's literally just through like networks and putting yourself out there and asking people. So that's a great book. Um, and then another TED talk that I always uh, share is Pro Wrestler's Guide to Confidence, which is a great one where he talks a bit like you were saying about being in the ring of when you're in the ring, just dial yourself up a bit, like be that bit more confident because you just need that almost alter ego energy to, to get you through. Uh, and then anything Brené Brown is, is great. Yes. Um, vulnerability and shame and all those things. Like she's absolutely phenomenal. Her Netflix show was amazing. Was. I like laughed, nearly cried through it. It was just, yeah, so great. I think there's there's tons. The list could the go list on. Could go. <laughs> Um, so we touched a little bit on your book that is going to be coming out. Can you tell us where we'll be able to get it from, um, when it's going to come out, when is it being released? So you can get the book on Amazon and Waterstones, available for pre-order at the moment. Um, and it's like 60p cheaper, so a total bargain. Also, a lot of people don't know that pre-orders are the, the, the distinguishing factor between your bus book being a success. So if you're even in like a slightly bit intrigued, please pre-order because um, it makes the book more successful somehow. I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, I've literally just finished it. My deadline was the 1st of January. So I just finished it over the Christmas break. Congratulations. Well done. I mean, it has to go through the line by line edit. So right, what I finished is getting all the content down. Um, so I started it in May. So it's been like eight months of intense writing um and so yeah and then it will be officially available on the 14th of may and i will have 
big launch party so uh, yes. I'll try and get that sponsored um, so yeah so uh, if you follow us at fuck being humble LDN um, that's where all the updates for the events are and where the book launch uh, details will be and if anybody wants to collaborate or um, can see a, a good opportunity to collaborate on the event or any other kind of potential opportunities then please just drop me a note uh, but yeah, super exciting. And it will also be an audio book, so Amazing. you'll be able to listen to it audibly. Although I'm I'm shitting it because I hate hearing my voice back. And I'm, I hate reading like that. So <laughs> I can public speak because I, um, I can essentially make things up. <laughs> when you've got to read line by line, it's like quite intense. So yeah, so they'll be out 14th of May. Amazing. And um, one piece of advice that you wish someone had given you earlier on? So one thing that I remember a recruiter said to me that was great was don't ever feel like you're too junior to add like a CEO or an MD or um, a founder on LinkedIn or, or other channels um, because actually the, if you connect with them and then you start like, liking their articles or resharing what they're doing or posting your own work and they could see it, like it just, you've started a relationship um, and you know it sounds stupid but like I was going through my uh, LinkedIn contacts the other day and I was like oh I didn't know I was connected to that person blah, blah. and there's like quite a few students I'm connected to and stuff and if if they contacted me I'd be like oh well we're connected so we must have spoken at some point so it sounds really minor but it's such a big thing and I remember when I was more junior I used to be like oh there's no way I could add the MD of that company mm. like I'm, I'm way too you know why would he connect with me but actually just add 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 away and and where you can engage with what they're posting um and make sure you're posting yourself so that you're kind of using that two-way conversation and it just helps like if you end up going to not even like accidentally meeting them if you go to an event that you know they're going to be at you could be like oh i think we're connected on linkedin and then you've already got that so that would be a very very minor but like good piece of advice and i think secondly it would just be we've touched upon it today is that don't think everything has to be perfect to put it out there. So 100%. at least have like one or two projects online that you're proud of with a good about me and make sure it's ready for someone to see. It doesn't have to be loads. Make sure you always credit people that you work with as well. Um, so you're not claiming other people's work, but just make sure there's something there. There's something that I could go, oh, I see potential in this. Because having nothing and having a you know website in progress, it's just, it's a big turn off. So yeah. always try and make sure you've got a good online reputation. Yeah, actually, um, I just remembered, I got my very, very first job at Saatchi and Saatchi because I accidentally emailed the MD thinking it was just someone who worked there. <laughs> Love that, that's <laughs> and so great. MD and he was like, I'm not the right person, but I'll pass your stuff on to the ECD. And I got me yeah, got so my you first job. Ask the MD of such and such for a job. For an internship. <laughs> for an internship, yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah, so great. So, yeah, you're so right. Add those senior people because I love that. It, it, it's you just never know. One gateway in, isn't it? 100%. I have a LinkedIn question. So, with regards to adding people, you know, when you add someone on LinkedIn and it offers you the chance to put a little message, do you change that message? So, I don't. So, only if I've met them. So I usually, if I've met them, so like, oh, we met at, um, you know, the Cannes Lions Festival earlier this year. Uh, can't believe we've not connected. Great to connect. If it's a stranger, I don't personally, more because it's easy for them to write 
you off if they don't like what you're trying to get in contact so if you're like really want to feature you guys in a podcast and like I don't do podcasts they could just ignore you mm. whereas if you just add them to add them but I've heard loads of mixed opinions on that some people say it's a good idea some people don't so like I've I lots of people do accept me um and that's without messages so it does work without messages would be my thing if you feel like you want to for clarity then also fine um I also, I also just have a bit of a a book bear, I kind of feel like they're, they're usually selling me something if someone's messaging. This, yeah, yeah. You know, it's usually either a job or yeah. it's like, oh, I really want you to do, take my services. And it's like, yeah. just keep it a bit ambiguous. And then once you've made the connection or once you've built up a rapport, then you could drop them a note. But I don't think you need it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, where can we find you? So what's your Instagram? How can we so, get um, We've got, well, I'm Stephanie SW, Stephanie with an F. Um my personal accounts for twitter and instagram and then it's foot being humble ldn uh because someone had already had foot being humble so yeah, upsetting um and so and that that's on instagram i kind of don't really have a twitter and then linkedin uh obviously stephanie sword williams and foot being humble so um and the dots so there's Great. there's quite a few places but i'd say instagram is where i do the most updates and stuff so if you follow me on there that's the best place awesome so to wrap up, we always do you win some, you dim some. And this is where we chat about our wins for the week, which is our win some, and then something that hasn't gone so well for us. And then we eat dim some. So I will kick it off with my own. So I have, I've been really grateful this week to start the new year off with a new freelance contract. Um, so I have work. That's my win sum. My dim sum is that I hate the work I'm doing. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not because the job isn't great. I think it's just because it's not the right maybe brand for me to be working on. Um, but I've realized this week that I, a lot of people have been saying, you know, you're really lucky to have the job come in at all. And I'm trying to flip my perspective on it and change my thought process from being lucky to being grateful. Because, you know, these are relationships that I worked hard to get and I've worked hard at maintaining and that's why I was top of someone's mind to contact me for this job. So it's just something that I'm trying to work on. Like, instead of lucky, being grateful. Love that. That's really important. Mm, that's good. Um, mine for the week is, I guess, my, on the negative, the dim sum is I haven't had work uh, and I've just been feeling, I think, a little bit like sluggish and depressive because of, you know, that kind of come down from the hype of Christmas and New Year. Um but I guess the the flip of the winsome is it's only, what are we on, the 5th of, of January and we are interviewing you. And this is such an awesome and amazing experience. And we've been coming to your events for the past year. And it's just, I think everything that you've been saying is so, so important. And I'm so glad people get to hear this. So thank you so much. Ah, oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, and then finally, my dim sum uh, is that I'm chasing payments, which is <laughs> oh. like the bugbear. Um, and I kind of, I, you also forget, don't you? Like, I, I totally, I think that's one side of like freelancing, side hustling, all of that. It's like the finances are so stressful. So stressful. So stressful. And like, I'm obviously in a lucky position uh, where I have a full time job, so I'm not dependent on it right now. But I do just think like, they just, people just take the piss with paying you, don't they? Oh, yeah. So that's a not so fun job. Um, and then maybe on the winsome, um, over Christmas, I've been asked to speak in Amsterdam 
uh, and Copenhagen at two kind of like separate events, which is really exciting. Incredible. Um, Amazing. Well done. So yeah, like, um, and just like the random, I've just had some really nice messages over Christmas just saying like, we're really looking forward to your next talks and stuff like that. So nice to take a bit of a break. I definitely feel like I'm, I'm well rested um, and I'm ready to start 2020. Incredible. Well, thank you so, so much for uh, jumping on this new year with us. And yeah, we're so looking forward to your book. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show. Follow us on Instagram at That Freelance Life Podcast and DM us if there's any topics you'd like us to cover or if you've got a question to ask. If you'd like to hire us as a creative team, drop us a line. We're at That Freelance Life Podcast at gmail.com.